Jewish Latin Princess, Episode 27, Rebecca Saltzman, Professional Organizer and Founder of Balagan Be Gone. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast by Yael. Every week, get your dose of inspiration from the world's most uniquely talented Jewish women and from Yael herself. Seeking profound and practical ways to live a joyful, richer Jewish life? Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. And now, Jewish lifestyle expert and bilingual blogger at jewishlatinprincess.com, your host, Yael. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Yael Trush, your host. Happy to be here. It is Sukkot, such a happy time of year. And in a few days, of course, we will culminate with the festivities of Simchat Torah, Definitely a very joyous time, a lot going on. And um, I don't know about you, but around this time of year when, you know, the last stretch of Tishrei, I start getting the urge to get my life back into a routine. And immediately as Tishrei ends, I usually start paying attention to my home, decluttering a bit if it needs to be done, reorganizing things, just just paying attention to things that needed to be, you know, to be taken care of. And I always go through this process right after Tishrei. So it's no coincidence that to indulge me and to teach us today, I have Rebecca Saltzman on the show today. Rebecca is a professional organizer and she's the founder of Balagan Be Gone. Isn't that a great name? Rebecca holds a degree in fashion design from Parsons School of Design, and for many years, she worked as a graphic designer. But her passion for the environment and helping people improve their lives drove her to change career paths and start doing professional organizing and found founded her own company, Balagan Begone. As you will see from today's interview, Rebecca has a straightforward approach to managing stuff and a no-nonsense ability to get to the heart of what's important. She really is a master at helping people get control of their lives through organization, even the most untrained in this area. What is Rebecca's take on my urge to organize right after Tishrei and why freeing up physical space this time of year might actually be a wonderful thing? Rebecca gives us a rather spiritual perspective, which I think you will appreciate as much as I do. Is organization an inborn trait or a learned skill? Rebecca tells us today. And Rebecca is also a proponent of a zero waste lifestyle. What is that? What does it look like? And especially if you are, if you have an observant Jewish household, how, how, how does that happen? Zero waste. Uh, a lot to learn here from Rebecca. We, lo- we talk about time management, um, always a hot issue in most women's lives. Rebecca teaches us some very practical tips. In fact, Rebecca made for us a handy dandy video um, on one of her favorite automation tools. I think you'll like that one. There's a lot of practical tips in this interview. So let's pay, pay careful attention. And to my delight, many I had just never heard before. So I was thrilled. And if you're a skeptic and you think, well, thank you very much, but my organized chaos serves me just fine. I know where everything is. And, you know, you're still just skeptical of this whole organization um, frenzy. Uh, stay tuned because Rebecca might be able to help you rethink that and reshape your attitude. She's just really, really good. Here's Rebecca Saltzman. (music) 
Rebecca Saltzman. How fun to have you here. Welcome to the show. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And how timely because I don't know about you or listeners out there, but I feel like the whole decluttering and organizing urge happens in cycles, at least for me. Like some people say it's when the seasons change, but for me, it's actually always after Tishrei. I don't know why. Maybe it's because the whole month has been a little bit chaotic and a lot of cooking and guests and hosting and in the routine went, you know, off kilter. So I feel like after Tishrei, I need to grab control of something of my environment. And I'm always <laughs> on a decluttering urge after Tishrei. And my husband already knows it. It's like a funny thing. Does that happen to you, by the way? So I think that Tishrei is like a really good time because it's so compact with like Chagim that you know, you're always preparing, preparing for a hug. And then when it's done, you're like, Oh, I can breathe again. Yeah. What a mess. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I feel like a lot of people are thinking about it and doing it, like getting it, prepping themselves. Like as soon as I finish the Hagim, I'm going to start organizing. Yes. Yes. So let's get right, right to it. It's actually one of my, um, one of my favorite topics, organization. Um, up there with the topic of personal finance and money, which is a total <laughs> digression, but they're probably connected because I they're guess really you, connected. They're, I get a lot of questions about them. Actually. Right. They're really connected because I guess being organized translates into good financial management. So anyway, I want to start with your story. Take us down a little bit memory lane and like, how was Balagan Begone? born were you a balaganit and then you turned your you got your act together or were you always the neat freak you know among your friends how, how did this all happen that you ended up becoming a professional organizer and starting your own company uh, that's a great question so i'll just start by saying that balagan is the hebrew word for chaos or disorder yes. and it's used in like a very general uh way where it's like oh it's a balagan the okay. whole situation is a balagan right. um so um I don't, you know, I don't think I was always neat. I remember my mom always being like, make your bed, clean your room. Um, but I always felt like I knew how to make seder, to make things in like the order that they should be in. Mm. And um, even though I was sometimes like, I'm not so clean as much as organized. And I think mm. that there's a really big distinction between the two. Like my husband's the cleaner. He's like happy to scrub away the floor. That's not me. I don't love to scrub the floor. I just mm -hmm. like to make sure there's nothing on the floor. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and there's that's like the real distinction between the two. It makes cleaning for him a lot easier. Um, but I think once I started working as a designer, mm -hmm. I really realized just how much waste people were producing. And I was contributing to that problem by making a product that nobody really wanted or needed. And, I, and it was going in the trash. And I was like, oh, wow. And the thing is, is it, uh, it was, was that fashion item. design, by the way? So I used to design lapel pins, actually. Okay. I did work as a fashion designer, but my, the job that propelled me into organization was, well, in 2012, when I read my first like zero waste book, I read zero waste home by Bea Johnson. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And how can I be more zero waste? And I was taking a look at what I was doing. And I was like, wow, I make a product that gets thrown in the trash, like after one person wears it. And mm -hmm. it takes so much resources, so many resources to make this one little itty bitty pin. And I just felt like, 
wow, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And I had seen a job, uh, for a part-time job helping a couple who was downsizing from New York city, making Aliyah to Israel, moving to Israel. And I'm like, yes, I want to do that. I can help these people. And I, I was just looking for some way I could help more people and make an impact, a positive impact on the environment. And, um, they hired me and I was like, yeah, I love this. I want to do this full time. And I quit my job and I did it full time. Wow. <laughs> it was a huge leap of faith for me. Uh-huh. Um, around that same time, I had taken a class by Chaya Hinda Allen called Jewish Positive Thinking. Mm-hmm. And she really helped shift my views and give me the courage to believe that Hashem can help me do anything. And he did. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, I, I love that message and, 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 and it's so true. And so you're doing it. So now you're a professional organizer and you're helping, you helped people in, a, in, a, in the States. Then you made Aliyah. You're helping people in Israel. I, I know you work with clients also via Skype. So do. help us, help us manage our clutter. How do we declutter, Rebecca? Like, are you, okay. are you a Marie Kondo method proponent? We go by categories throughout the house. How do we do it? Let's do it. So I'm not a huge fan of Marie Kondo because I just don't think she deals with things on the family level so much. Mm-hmm. And especially in the religious home um, <laughs> where there's lots of kids, you know, more than three usually, uh, it's it's not the best the best method. Like it, it, it it's good for if you're single uh, or if you have like one bedroom in your parents' house or something like that. But it it's it doesn't take into account your whole house like. Do your mortgage papers spark joy for you? <laughs> they don't, they don't no. for me. Uh, but you know, you need them. You can't just throw them away. And I get that. Like, it's good to have as little paperwork as possible, but you need documents. And then, you know, when you have little kids, you have their passports and their birth certificates and you have your marriage certificate and all these documents you need to keep and you need to keep them safe. And mm-hmm. what do you do with them? And I just don't think that her method takes into account all of those things. Right. So what's what's the method? What, what, so what for, me, for me, I believe that clutter is can't be organized. It's the enemy. Like, if you have it in your house, you need to get rid of it. And if you okay. analyze what clutter is... Sorry, it's like the Yetzirah. It's the enemy. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um, if you really analyze, like, what is at the core of your clutter, it's garbage. And so when we reduce the garbage that we're bringing into our house, that automatically is going to reduce, you know, 25 to 50% of our clutter, depending Mm -hmm. on what we're actually purchasing. So the bringing in is at the core of the problem. Yeah. And, and we use shopping as a pastime. That's a huge problem because you just keep accumulating more and more and more and more. Mm -hmm. And, uh, there's no place to put it. You physically run out of space. And actually, this time of year is actually my favorite because we know that like you, this time of year, we say, you should, you know, finish mm-hmm. it to be inscribed in the, for a good new year. And, and, um, at this time of the year, what is, what we're supposed to be getting for the year, our, our livelihood is decided. Mm-hmm. Like if you're going to live, it's decided how much you'll earn is decided. All the things that pertain to you are decided at this time of the year. And what I really think is that 
sometimes we overdraw on the allotment of what we've been decided to have. And that's when things like start to break in our house. And this time of the year is a really good time to take stock and say, what do I have? Where am I overdrawn? What can I get rid of? What can I move on? So I can make room for the new things that are going to come my way this year. Because I not only need the emotional capacity to deal with them, the emotional space to move on, get new things, get better things, get different things, get things that you really need. You know, all the blessing that's a lot of to you this year needs to have room to come in. So the first thing is to control what we're bringing in, be intentional about we're bringing what we're bringing into our homes. What else could we be doing better? The thing is, is a lot of times when I go to someone's house, they don't have all the like items together. So mm. um, tools are not all together. Pens are scattered all over the house. Uh, water bottles are in different places. Art supplies are spread apart. Clothing are not all in the same place. Um, and different types of clothing are all mixed in together. And it's impossible to know what we have if everything isn't grouped together. Um, and so you can't make good decisions when you're shopping because you just think, oh, I must have lost X, Y, or Z and I can't find it. So I'll just buy a new one. And then you end up with two, you know, carrot peelers or 16 white shirts, or I'm not even joking about 16 white shirts <laughs> or like <laughs> a thousand head coverings or scarves or, oh, goodness. I mean, it's a lot because you can't, you were looking for that one white, couldn't find it because it was stuffed behind like a whole bunch of other clothing. When if everything would have been sort of organized by color or all the shirts are together, at least you're much more likely to be able to find what you're actually looking for when you need it. So I really like this bringing, controlling what we bring in, keeping like items together. It, it definitely helps. I mean, obviously anything else? Um, I think that when you um, are sorting things by like category, you have to put things that make sense with each other. So like, for example, um, it makes sense to store your extra printer paper, let's say next to your printers, because things that go with items, like for example, your printer, uh, it's a good idea to store the printer paper next to the printer and the toner cartridges next to the printer. So that when you're looking for those items, you can find them immediately and you lower your level of frustration because you're like, oh, the ink, it ran out. Where's the new cartridge? I can't find it. And you'll always sort of know if you have what you need because you'll be able to view it. It's all close by. So when you're changing the paper, you could say, oh, look, I'm running low on toner. Let me go and order some right now. And then you'll sort of remember like that's also a time management issue because you're able to capture the whole scenario of like all the things that you need. And it's actually better for you in the long run to have a system where everything that you need to use that particular product is all together. Right, right. Rebecca, some people really get very anxious about just even the thought of tackling their homes. I know I have friends who like, they just feel like they just want to move and start over, you know, like just the thought of, 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 they just have so much stuff and it's everywhere and it creates a lot of anxiety. How do you help people through that anxiety and that anxious, that process? So the thing about people who are suffering from anxiety and are having trouble really letting things go is the best way to deal with that is to deal, is to get a partner, to have someone who you can be accountable to, who's going to be there to keep you moving on and, and focused and really keep you on track. Someone who's going to say to you, is this a keep or is this a toss? Is this something that you are going to use? What's going to happen in this life 
time of this item? Like, are you going to use it again? Do you fit into it now? And all those questions. And I think that when you can really take a step back and someone's talking to you objectively about whatever item you need to declutter, it really helps lower the anxiety because you are able to step outside of the situation and you're able to separate the sentiment of the item. Like, Oh, I wore that dress when I got engaged, <laughs> even though it doesn't fit you anymore. <laughs> like why, you, why are you keeping people. it? Are you keeping it sentiment? Right. It's been, you know, 20 years, right? <laughs> why are you keeping it? Is it, is it sentimental? And th this person is going to help keep you on track. Now I'll just fear off and say that if you come across an item that's sentimental, like that address you wore when you are engaged, put all of your sentimental items together and don't let it take up really important real estate in your closet right now. Mm -hmm. And if like in a box in the top of your closet or, you know, someplace else so that you, you know, you're not using up the important space in your closet. Talk to me about kids, Rebecca, because we could do all these things right. And we, and we could control what we're bringing in and we could keep it all together and we could keep it all, you know, kind of in a way that makes sense and maybe do a little, a purge once or twice a year. Um, by the way, before we get into kids, is that how you do it? Like, do you recommend that we revisit our house and our systems ever so often, like a couple times a year or? So once you reduce your, your clutter and reduce your waste, you're going to have a lot, um, less to organize frequently, mm -hmm. but you will have to organize frequently because, you know, especially if you're not the only person living in your house, things get moved out of place and get used and people forget to put them back. Um, but the important thing is, is that once you do organize, you have a home for everything in your house and everything has a place to live. And so people know where to put it back, even if they don't always put it back. I find that that is the number one problem with like maintaining organization is that people don't know where to put stuff in the first place. Right. It doesn't have a home. They don't have room for it. So once you make a home, it's going to be a lot easier to tidy up in general. And you shouldn't really have to do a massive purge all over again, unless you have some sort of large life change, like you get married or you have a baby or you move, obviously, if you move. Right. Uh, um, <laughs> and moving, by the way, is the best time to purge because why should you pay to move things that – you know, you don't want or need. Oh, we've all um, fallen into that trap. But regarding kids, but we've all done and it. You, you accumulate things over years, especially when you have kids. So it's, you know, and what's so sad um, is then you open lot. those I mean, boxes. I have you get to the new house or the yeah. new country or the new city and you open the boxes and you're like, I don't really want this. Why in the world do we even pack it? Exactly. <laughs> so, gee, so I had a guest on the show, a pr another professional organizer, Barbara Reach. She was episode um, number three, actually, very early on. And she's very big on labeling, which is kind of to what you're saying, right? She she says everything has to have a home and she puts labels on everything. And, you know, everybody will know where that those items go because it's very clearly labeled. So, um. So mm -hmm. it's true labeling is effective for a lot of for a lot of things, but I feel like, you know, why do you need to label where your glasses go? <laughs> they just go where they go. I, I I think sometimes some organizers do take labeling far. I'm sort of like a minimalist in that respect. I'm like <laughs> I also I mean I like the way they look, but you know, um, I'm okay with like a little bit of freeforming it, you know. Right. Um but that's actually <laughs> 
It's it's actually important for kids to to label things. Now, um, I what our toy collections were always growing, and even though I sort of always use bins, I never really labeled them because I always was swapping the baskets, trying to find the best thing that worked for us until I finally found it. Uh-huh. At which point, my kids were at a stage where they didn't really need me to label things anymore. Right. Um, we personally. To help us keep our toys organized, we use the Trofast unit from Ikea, mm-hmm. and we love it because the bins come in all different sizes, and they're easy for the kids to push in and out, and it it's a great system for organization because you can also buy shelves. You don't have to just use bins. So right. it's great because it's like multifunctional, and it's useful, but what I find with kids really is that... Kids need a lot of direction. They don't have the executive function to to take a command like, please go clean up your room and to know where to start with that command because mm-hmm. they they're just their brains are not developed enough to do that. So if you want them to clean up your room, you have to say like specifically, first go and clean up, you know, pick up all of the clo- dirty clothes on the floor and then put all the magnets into the bin and then put all the Legos into the bin and then put your shoes in the closet or whatever it is, but specific directions so that they can complete the task and that both of you are not frustrated with, you know, trying to get the kids to manage their stuff because they just don't know how to do it. Think about how you feel when, you know, it looks like a tornado hit your living room after your kids have been playing. You look at it sometimes and until you can figure out where to start, it takes a minute mm-hmm. to figure it out for them. It takes a lot longer than a minute. And so you're expecting like immediate results, but they just can't, they can't do that. So right. it's important to give them the direction and the space. So they learn how to like plan a project and how to schedule it and how to complete and, you know, be accomplished in their tasks. And I think also I I found as my kids got older, it's not even so much about the fact of guiding them through where to put stuff and, you know, going through it step by step. But the problem that I find is that they actually collect and collect and collect stuff. Like, I don't know, they show up with candy that somebody gave them and a note from a friend and a you know and a paper from this one and a pen from somebody you know the thing that you were talking about before they're just bringing in things and I have to constantly go through you know point to them let's go through this what is in this drawer what do you need this little paper for what do you need this little clip where did it come from you know why is it there (laughs) right right so it's exactly uh I have that problem too with my kids um but it's like what I said before like items go together. So I have a bin in the Trofast unit for each one, mm-hmm. and it has their names on them, and they can each put all of their collections in those bins. And every, you know, three months or six months, we go through the bins and we chuck whatever they don't need, and you can only keep what fits into the bin. Oh, I like that. So they know, and and that's the other thing, is that Kids need to practice organization. It's, it's a, it's, I believe it's a learned skill. I mean, obviously we're, we have some natural level and some people are more natural at it than others. But in general, I think most people can actually learn organization and it takes practice. And, you know, we got to teach it to our kids or else they won't have that 
executive function ability. Ladies, you heard it here. It's a learned skill. There's no excuse. We can all learn it. <laughs> you can. Everybody, everybody can learn. Uh, you know, and I, I help ladies with um, ADHD focus and, you know, we learn time management tools and they learn how to what they've never really learned before, which is how to sit down and plan and a task. They, I think a lot of people who have ADHD, a lot of people do things for them and they just don't know how to plan things. And so it's, it's, you know, sometimes 35 or 40 years of bad habits that need to get undone. It takes time, but wow. it's possible to unlearn those skills and learn new ones. Wow. So you touched upon time. That is a big one. Time management. We all struggle with that in one shape or form, especially with all the distractions nowadays with social media and so on. Um, what are some tips you can give us in that area? So I say automate whatever you can mm -hmm. um, and outsource whatever you can because um, if you are doing things that you A, don't enjoy or B, take you a long time to do, you have to think about how much your time is actually worth. So sometimes it's more cost effective to outsource a job. But if outsourcing isn't necessarily in your budget, there's a lot of free tools you can use to automate your time, um, mm -hmm. which makes things easier. So for example, if you frequently write a certain type of email, like uh, it's and just click on the little button in the corner and automatically the email that you always write will just pop up. So you write it one time, you save it, and you can edit you know, small things in it, like to who it's to or dates or if you want to change details. But it takes the bulk of the writing, which is time consuming out of your, uh, you know, out of your hands on a regular basis, or you can use apps. Um, Google has a plugin app, like that's a text expander. Mm -hmm. If you, you go and you make settings, like, um, for example, I use the word zero waste a lot when I'm typing. So mm -hmm. I just now only have to type Z and it writes zero waste for me. And you would think that like, okay, that doesn't take a lot of time to write, you know, it's, you know, 10 letters or whatever, but Every time that I'm typing, typing ZW is faster than typing Z-E-R-O-W-A-S-T-E -E each time. So when you're setting up like a few small things like that, over time, it does save you money. For example, I never type my signature anymore. I have it automate automatically in my email. So these are things that are like time sucks for us. And um, you it's easy to, to automate them. If you run a business, there's a lot of tools that you can um, use to help make your business run faster. Um, well, you actually got me started on eBay, so thanks. That's a great tool. It is. Um, but also tools like um, HubSpot, which is great to manage your client lists. Um, I automate um, my email, like my responses on Facebook now, like please uh, send me an email right away because sometimes things get lost on Facebook and then you, you lose clients that way because you know, Facebook never notified you that they had a message. So if it says, you know, here's my email, go ahead and email me, then it takes saves a lot of time. I don't have to worry if I'm missing a, a contact with somebody. So automating things wherever you can automate is is really great. If that means, you know, you're paying someone to cook your dinner, great, whatever it is that wherever it is that it's hard for you, or wherever you get stuck on time. Those are the things that are worthwhile to automate. 
Oh gosh, shopping. (laughs) Probably you don't like those things anyways, so it's not such a big deal to take them off your plate, but it actually really helps with your time management overall because you're reducing all the things you have to do and you can enjoy doing the things you want to do more. Grocery shopping is a big one for me. Time to automate that somehow. Yeah, grocery shopping is a great example. You can shop online. That's great. And you can do a recurring shopping list. If you if you menu plan, that's a great a great way to um, to shop because all you do is click repeat and or reorder and you just have the same order week to week and it takes so much off of your plate. Do you do that in Israel? Are you able to do that? Do you have services like that? <laughs> no. In no. Israel? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, sure. All the major grocery stores here do online delivery. I personally like to go to the store and also because I shop zero waste. Um, I don't like to do delivery because it comes with so much packaging. Um, But I really love going to the grocery store. Even though I hate cooking dinner, I love going to the grocery store because, I don't know, there's just something about it really excites my senses to see all the fruits and vegetables and pick it out myself and look at it and smell it. I I don't know. That's an experience for me that I really like. I'm willing to pay you to do it for me. (laughs) I have done it before, but it's not something that I love to automate. Let's talk about zero waste because this is a big one. And when we first connected, I didn't realize how how, how much you're into zero waste, which intrigues me because it's very hard as a Torah observant family to to just just do it. So talk to me about it. Talk to us about it. Indulge us. Let's go. What's okay? So zero waste. Uh, Zero waste is to me really connected to the negative commandment of Baal Tashchit, which is Mm -hmm. don't waste. And it's, it's a really important connection. And some people are like, oh, but zero waste is like an anti-religious movement. And I I don't think that, you know, you need to look at it that way. Zero waste is about producing less trash. Americans over their lifetime produce something like more than 2000 tons of garbage. And that's a lot of garbage. And I just think that we have a responsibility to reduce the amount of garbage that we are making. And there are a lot of easy, simple steps that we can do to reduce the amount of garbage that we bring into our homes and accept in our lives in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so for example, when I go to the grocery store, um, in Israel, they made a law. Now they have a bag tax on regular grocery bags, but there is no bag tax on the bags you use in the produce section. So people use, just take those plastic bags and use those. I, however, bring my own muslin cotton bags and I put the fruits and vegetables in those bags. I also buy um, grains and uh, like beans, dry goods in bulk too. And I sometimes even bring like my own jars and I buy spices in them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I haven't found like a good source for liquids yet, but I'm always on the lookout for that. But in general, that saves me so much plastic trash um, because I'm bringing my own containers that keeps the produce fresher. um, And I just throw everything in the washing machine at the end of the day with the rest of my stuff. And it's not a big tragedy, tircha. I don't don't know what a good translation for tircha is. Struggle (laughs) to wash a few extra bags at the end of my shopping trip. And for me, that's That has been one of the quickest ways that we have reduced our waste. Another thing that we have done um, is we compost. Um, And that actually, we used to make about between seven and 10 bags of garbage a week. You know, those Costco, Kirkland, white bags with the red 
drawstrings. Right. We used to throw away about seven to 10 of those bags every single week. Now on a bad week, like over a hog, let's say, we maybe have two. Wow. And that's huge. How many in your family? Big reduction. We're five. Wow. And, you know, we frequently have guests. So a lot of what we're throwing in the trash anyways is actually food waste that we can't compost, like chicken bones or something maybe that fell on the floor. We're getting a dog, so (laughs) maybe that will help with some of the extra food waste that we can't compost. Because actually, where we live in Haifa, there's no municipal compost. We have our own private compost, and there's you can't put um, meat or fish or chicken into a, a home compost because it doesn't turn fast enough and animals can get into it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So compost, um, bring your own bags and your own mason jars or whatever to the grocery store. And what else? Um, another grade zero waste is just small things. Stop using plastic water bottles. That's an easy one. Get that is a, a great very use. easy one. The, those, Such an easy one. Yeah. Get it, get Get a reusable water bottle. Um, And disposable goods. We got rid of those, but I have to confess, over Sukkot and Pesach, I just, there's so many guests. I just, I I don't know, maybe I have to, I I guess I have to buy more, but we don't use them throughout the year at all. Right, so we don't use Fadpami during the year either, single-use disposables. We don't use those during the year either. I only use them on Sukkot because it's a long walk to the Sukkah. And I use them on Purim because we usually have like 70 people here. Mm-hmm. But what I do is, is I buy for Sukkot those heavy grade plastic ones mm-hmm. and I just sort of wash them and reuse them for the whole Yontif and then I recycle them. And if they break in the middle, then I'll just recycle them. But um, I think also if you do use Chad Pami, uh, sorry, single use disposable items, mm-hmm. um, you have to make a better choice. So for example, if you buy paper that has a plastic coating on it, it's worse than if you would have just bought the pa- the plain paper and used the plain paper. Because at least the plain paper you could put in the composter in some situations. Um, or if you bought the fully plastic ones, you could probably recycle them. So like what you purchase in, in the disposables is also a good step in the right direction if you take into consideration. If I need to buy disposables, another thing, like for Purim, what I do is I buy the compostable plates and I put them in my composter. Right. So right. that's another thing that people can consider doing. Um, a lot of, in New York City now, I know, um, most of the boroughs now have composting programs. Um, to me, the goal should be to increase what you recycle and compost versus what you throw in the trash. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always look at that when I'm purchasing. So I'll purchase, I'm more likely to purchase something that's glass versus something that's plastic because the glass has an unlimited recycling stream, whereas plastic can only be downcycled one time. Um, and cans, uh, also aluminum can be, has a much longer recycling life cycle than um, plastic does. So, uh, and paper, Mm -hmm. I mean, in Israel, the flour, the sugar, the salt, it all comes in paper. That's an easy one. You just buy it, you know, sift, check it for bugs, of course, Mm -hmm. and, you know, store it in an airtight container and then recycle the paper that it comes in. Right, right. So there are a lot of like easy things to do. 
Yeah, it's just it takes it just it just small tweaks that we could all be doing and and yeah, we, we exactly. definitely should all be just baby steps. Baby steps is what's gonna get us there, but we gotta start somewhere, right? Rebecca, I wonder if exactly. since you know so much about zero waste and you're you're very much into it, how when you're per, when you're helping somebody with their home and decluttering, I mean you inevitably are going to create a lot of trash. Like, how do you balance that out when you're just working with a client and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe how much we're creating here. That's a great question. <laughs> it's a great question. Um, I donate whatever I can. Mm -hmm. So I work with the Battered Women Shelter here in Haifa and I donate to them. And we donate to the organization called Lev Chash that has a, um, that's the Israel Heart Association. And they have a secondhand shop. So I take things that I can take there to either one of those places um, and everything else we do our best to recycle so if it's not clothing that I think that the secondhand shops will want to sell um, I put it in the clothing recycling for books um, I might drop them off at the library and you know ask them to add them to their collection if they're in good condition mm -hmm. or if they're not in good condition, we'll recycle them. Mm -hmm. And you know, if they're old and moldy, then we just have to recycle them. Um, the same thing with, if we find plastics and stuff like that, that stuff just gets recycling. Thankfully the recycling programs in Israel are getting better. Um, but recycling is not, you know, the be all and end all the, the real tickets, is to just reduce the consumption overall. Mm -hmm. And that's not going to only help you with zero waste, but it's also going to really help you with organization. I always challenge my clients to go on a, like a two month, no spending spree and see if they can do it. And I tell them track what you wanted to buy, what you did buy, what you think you need, what you actually need and track it and see if you can find something else in your house that you can use in its stead. Um, or if, you know, if you can go without it. And that's really the main thing. I think we sometimes think that we need something, but we don't actually need it. And we have something already that's just as good. Rebecca, what about routine? Do you, do you think, or you promote with your clients that we should try to get ourselves into a routine where we're doing the same things at a given time every day? You know, is, is that your approach? So I try to do that, but let's be honest, real life happens all the time, especially mm -hmm. when you have kids and things change. And so the key is to be able to fit in all the things you want to fit in in a day, but still be flexible when, you know, things come up and you need to deal with them. So for example, I try to go out for a walk every night around six o'clock. Sometimes I don't get out till seven and sometimes I don't get out at all, but I, I feel okay with that because I know that like I can make it up tomorrow and that I'll find a way to manage it in my schedule tomorrow. I'll be a little more strict about whatever I missed from the day before. Mm -hmm. um, we do sort of have a routine. Devices get shut off at 630. Everybody needs to start to be in the bath. Uh, homework is always done by then. And, you know, the kids, we use an app called uh, Pact, and that shuts off their devices and gives them limited capacity to their devices. And so that, that really helps us actually a lot. Um, and, uh, but we just try like to keep everything in a routine. It's easier for them. 
knowing that, you know, 6.30 is when everything ends and 7 o'clock is when you're taking a bath and 7.30 is when we read to you and 8 o'clock is when we turn out the lights. Like for them, it's helpful. They know, they understand, even if they sometimes don't like it, it's a good way to, to get things done. Unfortunately, our kids have a different after school schedule every single day, but you know, they, they also learn it. They see it. We post it on the wall and they see it and they know it. And they also are big enough now. They sort of know where they have to be on which day of the week. I might have to remind them what day of the week it is, but they also know. And so that's like, as they get older, they can be more responsible. I'm really into giving kids as much responsibility as possible because we want them to be functioning adults. Like they should know what, what days they do, what, activities or where they need to be at a specific time. That doesn't mean I'm not going to remind them. It just means they should also know their schedule. Right. Do you also do that with your schedule? You block certain times for certain things for client work and, you know, other things for strategy. Yep. Work? So exactly. Like I take two days in my week where I just function on like the, you know, administrative side of my business and I only see clients on certain days mm-hmm. and, that changes every year with school, depending on what my kids need and in that year. But um, for me, that's the, the way I can manage my time best. So I don't feel overwhelmed because okay. when you feel overwhelmed, that's, that's the worst. Like you can't manage your family effectively and you can't do your job well if you feel overwhelmed. Well, that's the perfect segue to my next question, which is about skeptics, the people out there. Okay. So what I mean is people out there who might be saying, rolling their eyes and saying, well, what's wrong with my stuff? We know I get where everything is and I get pretty much on time to all my appointments and I function very well that way. It is kind of organized chaos. And, and, you know, we manage like that. What's the case for being organized? Like, why would you say people just need to get their act together, their spaces together? Um, how do we convince the skeptics? Well, it's really simple. When you have less, you really have more. And by when we have too much stuff and too many responsibilities, our stuff and our responsibilities ending up end up controlling us instead of us controlling our time and us controlling our stuff. Mm-hmm. And we, we don't want to work for our stuff. We want our stuff to work for us or else what's the point of having stuff? Mm-hmm. So to, to anybody who's feeling skeptical, I say, try it, try reducing what you have and see if it makes getting dressed in the morning, for example, easier. You know, I have like, uh, I have a Facebook group, uh, called organizing in Israel. And this conversation came up this week about capsule wardrobes. And I posted the pictures of the various parts of my closet. And I told everybody I have like four skirts. I have five dresses, two for the winter, two for the summer, and one that's all year around. I have six sweaters. I have, you know, just four sets of workout clothes that I rotate and I have like 10 shirts and that's it. That's all I have. And people were like a little bit shocked, but it makes getting dressed for me in the morning so fast and easy. And it's one less thing I need to think about every day. I can make better decisions throughout the day when I'm not focused on my clothes all the time. So try it in one area of your life, like your clothes and see if it helps. See if it makes a difference. Right. Try it in an area of your life. Maybe even some, for some people, it might be their clothes for other people might be their, their kitchen, you know, where we accumulate sometimes so much, so many gadgets and stuff, right? (laughs) Yeah. Gadgets are also a problem. I'm anti-unitasker, things that only do one thing. Anti-unitasker. You can probably solve most of your kitchen needs with a really good knife. 
Yeah. Uh-huh. Anti-uni Very, testing. very good. I like that. I like that. What about all the junk mail that comes in? I mean, every day I open my mailbox and I, I at least throw two to three things out in the recycling bin. And I don't know, where does this stuff come from? <laughs> it like, has a tendency to multiply over time. <laughs> right. I need, I need to, I need totally. to, find, I need to find a way to, uh, to, I don't know, unsub- not unsubscribe, but there must be, there has, there have to be ways to get off these mailing lists and whatever. There is, there's a website called catalogs choice mm-hmm. and you can go and put in your information and it will unsubscribe you from like physical catalogs. Oh, I'm doing that. And other junk mailings. Oh, I'm doing that. Also, you can write return to sender on anything that's first class mail and put it back in your inbox and they'll get the message real fast because they have to pay for the return mail. Uh Uh-huh. Ladies, these are really good tips. I didn't know any of these. Okay. I love it. (laughs) Rebecca, this, your, your job is, I mean, I hope, I think you see it, but it's so connected with Jewish observance. I feel like Jewish observance really values a Seder, an order. There's a routine, there's an order to life and there, and, and, and it, it's, it's meant to help us, um, so I, I definitely see that in the career path that you've chosen. I totally agree. It's there are a lot of things that are very routine in, in Judaism. Um, and being organized really helps you get all the things that you need to get done, both in regular life and in your observance done. Right. Just be more productive, I guess. Live right. a more productive life. So let's do some JLP fill in the blanks. I'll give you a sentence and you finish it with the first thing that comes to mind. Okay? Okay. All right. I'm Rebecca Saltzman and I feel most spiritual when? Uh, when I'm decluttering. Are you serious? <laughs> when I'm, yes. When I'm making room for a new bracha to come into my new blessing to come into my life. Yes, for I, sure. I love it. Although now I can only imagine your your space, your home being so minimalist and I can't even imagine you decluttering, but... <laughs> It, I have kids, so there's there's sometimes clutter. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's what we said before. They accumulate stuff, so we have to go yeah. through that. All right, my favorite yeah. mitzvah or one that I connect with the most is? That's easy. Bal tashrit, to not waste. There you go. My fondest, sweetest Jewish memory is? Oh, gosh. I guess it's family meals oh, together really? for the Chagim. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Very nice. Something, by the way, are you big into cooking? Are you big into the kitchen? I used to cook a lot more. Now I mostly cook the same things, but actually what I didn't touch on this. So I'll, I'll briefly say this now. I actually, since I started, since I made Aliyah and I started making all the Chagim myself, what I did was I made spreadsheets for all the holidays mm-hmm. and I assigned foods for each holiday. And then I just make the same menu each year. Me too. And, and it becomes like tradition. This is what we eat on each year. And I just adjust it. And I, I write out each quantity, what I purchased, you know, how many corned beefs I made or how many ribs or how many chickens or how many lentils or whatever I did. And I, I just use it from year to year. Um, it makes it a lot easier. That's part of the automation for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I used to enjoy cooking a lot more when my kids weren't so finicky, but <laughs> I I do. We have, we usually have guests and I really, I love, I guess I love nourishing people in that way. So yes, but my husband does all the baking. Oh, wow. That's cool. That's, that's unusual and really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I also, I also have the same 
menu. I could tweak it here and there, but the basics for every holiday is, you know, are pretty much the same. And the kids know, like, yep. you know, Rosh Hashanah, this is the kind of fish that mommy serves and the kind of roast and whatever. Like, we, we just do it year after year. Yeah. It just becomes easier. <laughs> it's easier. And I think, I think families sort of look forward to the tradition of it. Yeah. Like, when I was growing up, we always had Cornish hens on Rosh Hashanah. And to me, that feels like Rosh Hashanah. And I can't eat a Cornish hen any other time in the year it <laughs> feels wrong right <laughs> something I wished I had learned about Judaism growing up is um wow that's a great question uh I think I wish I would have known more about different types of Jews mm. um I feel like that's one of my favorite things about living in Israel is I get to meet different types of Jews from all over. I think at our Purim Suda, we have like at least 10 different nationalities. And to me, that's so amazing because like when I was growing up, everybody was just sort of all the same. And Where did you grow up? I grew up in Silver Spring, Maryland. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everybody sort of looks the same and... You know, I, I don't know. That's to me what I wish I, I, I wish I knew more about the multiculturalness and the different kinds of Jews. That right. Yeah, it are. is. It is pretty awesome and really beautiful. Yeah. When I give tzedakah, I like to give to. Um, so I love to give to Leket. Um, they are a food rescue in Israel mm -hmm. and, um, they rescue food from, from like catered events, for example, and give it to the needy. So that's, oh, that's zero awesome. waste. Yeah. And also to Yad Sara, Yad Sara, um, distributes medical supplies to basically everyone in Israel, even anyone. It doesn't matter. My kid, my son, unfortunately needed crutches last year. You go to Yad Sara, you rent the crutches and you return them. And so it's, it really is a less, a less wasteful system. Yeah, that's really awesome. Finally, yeah. I'm Rebecca Saltzman and today I'm most grateful for. I'm most grateful for living in Israel. I think I love that we have the ability to live here. Um, I love living here. I love looking out at the sea every day. I love that. It, I love the beauty here. I think definitely I'm most grateful for being able to live in Israel. Wow, that's really awesome. How long ago, ago, ago did you move? Uh, we made Aliyah in August of 2014. Oh, wow. So it's been three years. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fairly new. That yeah. is really amazing. And did you always, when you were a teenager or a young adult, you, th you thought you wanted to live in Israel? It's funny because <laughs> when I was pregnant with my oldest son 11 years ago, uh -huh. 12 years ago, I, um, I was here for a family wedding in Israel. And I looked at my husband in the taxi cab and I said to him, it was a, it was a hamsin, it was a heat wave and it was so hot. And I was like, just in my first trimester, and I looked at him and I said, "Oh my gosh, I never want to live here. It's I can't, yeah. I can't handle it." <laughs> and then one day in in 2012, I just looked at him and I'm like, "That's it. I'm putting us on a two year plan. We're making Aliyah. I I just I have to go. I don't really know what what drew me. I mean." There were a lot of things, but I just said, "Let's do it." And he's like, "Yeah, let's do it." And we we did it. Wow. I mean, we're. We're planners. I know some people come in like six weeks. Some people, I have some clients who do it in like three weeks, but like 
it, you know, we wanted to make sure we landed and had like a really easy time and we're researchers and we wanted to make sure that everything was, you know, set up in place and we had connections and everything like that. And we came here with, um, no job. Well, my husband didn't have a job. I, I had Balagon be gone. Um, and really no savings and we hadn't sold our house and we just, we just did it. And, there's no looking back. We love it here. Our kids speak fluent Hebrew. Our Hebrew is improving. You know, there are some things that are frustrating, but we really do love it here. Wow. That's pretty awesome. That's so inspiring. My goodness. Totally inspiring. Rebecca, thank you so much for your practical tips and getting us all inspired and geared up about getting our act together in this new year. I think it's really, again, timely and, and important. And again, it just really very aligned with Jewish values. We can live all, we can all live more productive, meaningful lives if we are not totally overwhelmed by our stuff and our tasks and our appointments and everything else. So tell us, do you have a special offer for Jewish Latin princess listeners? So I have two, actually. Mm, okay. Um, I want to give everybody uh, $20, $20 off of a regular price um, session of online coaching um, for two sessions. And the offer is good until December 31st, 2017. Mm-hmm. And I'm also going to give you, Yael, a link to post a code to post on um, your show notes Mm -hmm. right um for everybody to sign up for the class i gave uh winning at organization on the skillshare platform which has like thousands hundreds of thousands of classes you can take i'm going to give everybody a two month free premium membership so they can take my class plus any other class that they want Oh, that's awesome. Winning at organization. I love that. I think we need to all take that. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's a 10, it's, it's, it's 10 classes. It's less than 45 minutes. So it's, it's really easy. You could do it over a few days um, to implement, but uh, there's some really good tips and tricks there. Amazing. Rebecca, thank you so much. What's next, by the way, I didn't ask you what, what's, what's, what's in the future for you? What, what are, what are your next plans with Balagan Be Gone? So actually I'm working on a longer course to do a 10 week course. Um, and I'm hoping that that will be done in the next few months. Great. Well, that sounds amazing. Keep us posted and, um, we'll, we'll, we'll touch base on that when the time comes. That sounds awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. This was fun. Thank you to Rebecca Saltzman for stopping by. Again, her website is balaganbegone.com. And to take advantage of that offer, you can email Rebecca at Rebecca at balaganbegone to claim $20 off of online coaching for two sessions. The offer is valid till December 31st, 2017. So if you're thinking you might want a little handholding um, and help in getting your life uh, more organized, your home more organized, this might be the time. Um, to claim $20 off and learn uh, with Rebecca. And of course, you can go back on the blog on jewishlatsandprincess.com. I have the exact link to sign up for Rebecca's 10-session course, Winning at Organization, completely free. You'll be able to access it through Skillshare. The link is back on the blog. And of course, over there, you can also leave me a comment, a question, take a peek at all the new blog posts and the new free download. If you haven't yet, I encourage you to please leave a review on iTunes as well. Thank you again for all the downloads. We're almost at the 8,000 downloads mark. It's really amazing. And all the nice reviews. Thank you. 
And I look forward to reading new reviews as well. Have a moadim basimcha and a chag sameach. Thanks for listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating, and share the podcast with the Jewish women you love. To access today's show notes, ask Yael a question, or suggest a uniquely talented Jewish woman to be featured on the show, visit JewishLatinPrincess.com.